week's cut. All right, I'm here with uh, Kelly and Kate, my two daughters. Kel's 17 and Kate's 13. I thought it'd be fun to do a couple stories. I tend to tell a lot of stories, and, and I have some fun stories, I think, over my lifetime. And the girls get tired of listening to them, and they keep asking for new stories. But uh, anyway, I thought we'd talk about... I had a mentor when I was young. His name was Randy Strand, uh, an amazing man, uh, kind of like a second father. My father was an attorney and uh, had rental properties, and so most of his extra time was spent working on apartments and at the law firm. Um, I would go on weekends and do stuff with Randy. He'd take us to Lake Powell. He had all kinds of toys, motorhome, motorcycles, four-wheelers, boats, horses, uh, was a gun dealer just because he loved guns and was cheaper to buy guns as a dealer than an individual. So, uh, avid hunter, uh, spent almost all his spare time out in the wild doing stuff. So, I got to do a lot of things with Randy. Uh, many memories uh, of my childhood are with, with Randy. He, a few years ago, uh, was up in the Wind River Mountain Range Um with his horses and and got bucked off his horse and and passed away alone up in the mountains and very sad but he was um doing what he loved to do and i know that's kind of a cliche and sad thing to say that you know you die doing what you love doing um but it's a lot better than just laying in bed in an old folks home like my father actually passed away so um anyway so i, I kind of feel like i have two fathers um, sorry, girls. Start off with a downer. <laughs> <laughs> These stories are uh, fun. We used to some of the trips we used to do um, were. Uh, he would always want to go to Lake Powell, and he'd leave at, at like one in the morning or two in the morning. So he would sleep during the day, and then get everything ready. And we would show up at two in the morning, and we'd do the drive at night, so we didn't waste time. Once we got there, we had the full day when we arrived to uh, go out and play on his boats and stuff. So his rule was that if you were in the front seat of the motorhome, that you couldn't sleep to keep him awake and make sure that, that we were safe. And so uh, usually when you fall asleep in a car, what do you do, girls? How do you fall asleep? Uh, what do you mean? Well, say you're sitting in a seat, a passenger seat, and you yeah. end up sleeping. Mm-hmm. Do you lay over forward? No, head on the window. You put your head on the window oh, yes. or back. Usually I'd end up with my head on the window, and Randy would look over and see. So if I'm in the passenger side with my head on my right shoulder leaning on the window, Randy would do a wide turn to the, <laughs> to the right so your head would come away from the window, and then rack the steering wheel back, and you'd smash your head on the window and wake up. <laughs> so that was something that he would always do uh, to make sure that you stay awake. So... Um, Another thing that he liked to do, if, if you've seen semi-trucks pulling another cab of a semi-truck, they load them on backwards. So you've got the truck facing forward driving down the road, and the cab of the other truck is attached facing backwards. So if you pull up really close to it, it looks like a car's going the wrong way. He would, uh, is that making sense? Yeah. Okay. He would slam on his brakes, honk his horn, and start having everyone in the car start screaming. So when you woke up, all you saw was the front of a semi-truck. <laughs> on the freeway which was always frightening i think we've tried to do that before but i don't think it worked we do it on family trips yeah but that's you guys know enough now that 
you'll know when I'm messing around, but uh, fun guy. Another thing, he owned a plane. Um, he had a, there's a mountain range between where we live and a place called Morgan. So he owned a plane that he'd call me and say, hey, you want to go for a flight? I need to check to see if my field's been, uh, the grass has been cut. So we'd get in his plane. Uh, a buddy and I were in the plane and the plane was a, a single engine Cessna, so not super powerful. And he would do this big, wide circle, loops after loops after loops to get high enough to go over the mountain range to look. Um, and we'd go over there and look, and the friend was with me, got sick. So he's throwing up in the barf bag. Um, what's our rival school? Woods Cross High. Mm-hmm. Woods Cross. There's another Woods Cross high, or rival. That's not the one we did it on. Woods Cross wasn't as much as a rival to Bountiful High. At Isn't Viewmont? Viewmont was our big rival. Yeah. Woods Cross was a smaller school. Now I think they're bigger yeah, than Bountiful High. Rival, Is Woods Cross? Yeah. yeah. So there's three high schools in our area. Woods Cross, Bountiful High, which my kids go to and which I went to. And then Viewmont High School. So we decided we'd bomb... Viewmont High with the barf bag, so we flew over the the football field and dropped the barf bag right on center. Wait, Viewmont? Center. Or... Viewmont. Oh. Yeah. So it was Viewmont. If I had thrown up, maybe we would have made a trip over to Woods Cross and bombed it as well. But <laughs> we only had one barf bag, so <laughs> Viewmont was where we did it. Uh, another thing we would do, speaking of planes, um, is we would stop by Smith's and buy little one-pound bags of flour. Um <laughs> You guys remember this story? Yeah. And so we'd have maybe 10 or 15 one-pound bags of flour in his plane, and he would go over fields of cattle, and we would practice bombing cows with flour bags, and it would turn them all white, um, which was always fun. This is sad. I don't think it hurt them. It could have been a five-pound bag. That would have been much worse. Yeah. Or a 10 or 20-pound bag. That would have killed him probably, but. Um, we we didn't usually hit them. I can't remember if we ever actually hit one, um, but that was fun. What would you do if we did that? Uh, you wouldn't tell me, and then I wouldn't have a problem with it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell me when I'm old and have my own kids, and then mom and dad don't care anymore because the time has passed oh, enough that it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, what else? I dove with Randy. Randy actually introduced me to scuba diving the very first time. We went to Roatan, Honduras. Um, there's a guy there that runs, I think it's called Stanley Submarines, and he made his own homemade submarine. Wow. Randy and I decided we were going to go pay the fee and go down to 2,000 feet in a homemade submarine, and we would pass sandbags back and forth to make sure it stayed balanced. Uh, kind of frightening when you think about it. So we were down in the channel, uh, drops down beyond 2,000 feet. And we spent almost three hours down at 2,000 feet under the water, mm-hmm. which very few people have ever been down that, that deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the military submarines don't go that deep. Wow. So pretty crazy. He's still doing that. So if you find yourself in Roatan, Honduras, look up Stanley Submarines and uh, he'll take you down there. Uh, what else was there with Randy? Um, shrunken rabbit's head. <laughs> Randy was an avid hunter. He'd go to Africa, and his house was just full of African animals. 
Um, so we decided that when we were out rabbit hunting, we'd bring a jackrabbit head home. There wasn't the internet back then. So we just read in books the best way to tan and, and take care of a, a rabbit hide. So we were going to mount a rabbit head for Randy to keep in his office. And we read that you boil it in borax to kill all the bacteria so that it won't go rotten. And, and so we boiled it in borax in my mom's kitchen. And I think we boiled it too long because the head came out about the size of a golf ball. And we left the cartilage in the ears because we didn't know how to skin out the ears. So the ears actually curled out and pointed north and south, <laughs> curled in this little golf ball size head. Um, there was no way the eyeballs were just completely pinched shut because it was so small. <laughs> so we couldn't put any kind of marbles or anything, which was what our plan was, to put marbles inside the eyeballs. So we made a little square piece of wood and pounded a nail through the back. So the spike pointed out the front and just shoved this head onto oh this little God. piece of wood <laughs> and randy had that in his office right next to his giant elk head uh the whole time so that was fun to go into his office and see that little rabbit head in there with with all his other huge animals uh, he couldn't stop laughing he thought it was hilarious uh, another time different friend and i were up on my motorcycle i had an xr 200 when i was a kid uh, we'd go up in the mountains with our 22s and look for gophers and stuff that we could shoot I was walking through the bushes, and it had it was just spring, so it was cold enough that the rattlesnakes weren't very active. Um, and I took a step, and I started hearing the the sound that I've heard a lot of times, the sound of a rattlesnake. I look down, and the rattlesnake is coiled up next to my left foot, and I'm stepping on its head. <laughs> so I was a little scared. Um, so I put the rifle barrel down right next to my foot and shot the neck of the rattlesnake like two times and there was just a small piece of skin holding the head onto the body uh, and we decided and rattlesnakes squirm and move for hours after you kill them um, Russell got on the back of my motorcycle uh, I was driving and he was holding the snake and that thing was just slapping on my leg my leg was covered in blood the whole way down we get to Randy's house to see what we should do with it and he freaks out that the head was still on it and took a stick and put it in front and touched the nose. And that rattlesnake opened its mouth and bit the stick oh my with reflex. Wow. So that whole thing slapping on my leg, I could have had a rattlesnake bite on my calf. Wow. Luckily that didn't happen. So Randy cut the head off. And then I skinned the snake. Russell and I cooked the snake up and ate it. Uh, the skin is still somewhere. I haven't seen it for quite a while. But um, I splayed it out and, and tanned it. Um, that's about it. You guys think of any other Randy stories? That reminded me of the story where you went deer hunting and you couldn't, like, tie the deer up or something. So that wasn't with Randy, but oh, along the lines of, of, I was hunting my first deer that I got. Um, we went, got up super early, like three in the morning, went up above the hills here in Bountiful in the dark, um, found a nice rock, which we had scouted out before, so we knew the area fairly well. We knew we were going to sit behind this rock. Uh, the sun comes up, and there's orange everywhere. There must have been 40 hunters in this valley, wow. which we didn't know were there until the sun came up. So we kind of felt like you know, it was a wasted hike up. All of a sudden, we hear a guy yell. We couldn't understand what he yelled, but he yelled something, and we look, and a deer runs right past us. 
So my buddy and I both shoot at the same time. We're still to this this day, we were shooting the same rifles. So we, to this day, don't know who hit the deer. Uh, but when we shot it, it rolled all the way down the opposite side of the mountain. <laughs> so it took us it took us about four hours to hike in. Um, now we had the addition of pulling it back up the mountain and then back down where we were. We didn't have any rope. We were just, I think we were 18, maybe, seven. I was younger than that. Um, so we put this deer over our back and took turns just dragging this deer out and looking back on it, it's not very smart to put a deer over your shoulder and cover your whole body with it during hunting season and and walking out. We did have orange vests on, so I'm sure it's pretty easy to see that it wasn't, you know, a deer beating up a guy. (laughs) But, uh, once we got on the back side of the hill heading down the other side, we pretty much, oh, we ran into a guy who had a piece of rope and said, here, I'll give you some rope. This will make it a lot easier. And we rode that deer down every hill. We sat on it and rode it down the hill. And uh, we had worn one side completely off by riding this deer down the mountain. Um, We took it to the place that processes, the butcher that processes the deer. And he was kind of upset of how we we treated the deer. And he says, the only thing you're going to be able to make out of this is jerky. You're not going to be able to get any good steaks out of it. So we had a freezer full of deer jerky. Um, it, it actually took us, I think, 11 hours to get it home. Wow. And we we skinned it in my buddy's garage. And I don't know if you, you guys probably have never done something so much, like holding a knife and mm. ho- holding deer antlers while you drag it down the mountain that I can't open my hands. So I'd hold a knife, and my hands were just a curled ball. And I'd have to use my other hands to pry my fingers open to get the knife out of my wow. hand. Um, I still get that way when I do a lot of hand sanding, mm-hmm. but um, that was the first time I'd ever had something like that happen to me. Mm. So, 